We are continuing our study through the book of Genesis, and we are in Genesis chapter 21. Last week we covered the first seven verses about the birth of Isaac and the faithfulness of the Lord to answer and to keep his, his promises. This morning we will start in verse 8, Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the, the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You that all of Your Word is profitable for us. And and we thank You that Your Spirit uses Your Word to speak to our hearts and to shine a light on our hearts and to, to bring us to a, to a point of understanding how desperately we need You and to turn to You and experience Your grace and Your, your comfort and Your forgiveness. Father, even as we consider this passage today, I ask that Your Spirit will be moving in our midst. And I pray, Father, I ask that You would, would bring about just a real revival in this church as Your Word is preached. And Father, I pray that our Lord Jesus will be exalted and lifted high. And that all of us will be drawn to Him. And that we will look to Him in faith and in trust and and in complete dependence. Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's an interesting story, isn't it? A hundred-year-old man and a ninety-year-old woman end up having... A son. And as a recipient of God's promise. And then, but then 
Right after he is born, the next thing that the passage goes into is how Isaac grows and he was weaned, meaning he no longer had to be nursed by Sarah. And in the ancient Near East, that probably was around the age of three years old. But then it highlights how at the same time, Abraham's other son, Ishmael, or the son of the slave woman, uh, in, in the ESV it says that Sarah looked over and saw that he was laughing. But really, the, the Hebrew in, in, uh, in this instance should better be translated that he was mocking Sarah's son Isaac. So Ishmael was about 17 years old and Isaac was about 3 years old and Sarah looks over and here's Ishmael mocking Isaac. And then it's interesting because the next thing we see here is Sarah going to Abraham and saying, cast the slave woman and her son away. Abraham hears what Sarah has to tell him. And it displeased him because even though they're slaves, he had a certain affection and love for them because that was his son. But then the Lord came to Abraham and told him, do as Sarah told you. Because it's through Isaac that your offspring shall be named. But then the Lord promises that he will also make a nation out of Ishmael as well. So Abraham the next morning does exactly what the Lord told him to do. Gets a skin of water, a loaf of bread, gives it to Hagar. Sends them off to the wilderness. What an interesting story. And for, and for us living in 2023, we may, think it, may be thinking to ourselves, well, what kind of application does a story like this have to our lives today? What, what does this mean? Why did the Lord include this story in Scripture? But if we take our Bibles and we fast forward quite a few centuries, after Jesus came, died, rose to life again, ascended on high, the disciples are sent out to make disciples of all nations. The Lord comes to Paul and sends Paul to be a missionary to the Gentiles. He goes throughout and he shares the gospel. He plants churches. And in one of the regions where he planted churches, it was the region of Galatia. And in about A.D. 48, so hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years after this incident where Abraham sends out his slave woman and her son, the Holy Spirit leads Paul to pen a letter, the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, he, well, the Holy Spirit through Paul, actually gives us the interpretation of this story that we have just read in Genesis. A little bit of the backstory with the churches in Galatia. In that region, there were multiple different churches, and so the letter that Paul would write would be sent to the different ones. But there were many 
Jewish converts. So those who had been involved in Judaism, they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they trust in Him, they're born again, and this church gets started. But what had happened was within the church, there were Judaizers who were infiltrating, and they were teaching that in order for a person to be saved, including Gentiles... They not only had to trust in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross and in His burial and His resurrection, but they also needed to be circumcised just like the Jewish people. And and so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to this church and he highlights that that is totally wrong. See, we are not saved by Christ plus anything else. We aren't saved by our good deeds, and we aren't saved by Jesus and any of our good deeds. And so he picks up on this theme, and in so handling this topic, he directs their attention to the very passage that we have just read in Genesis 21 about Sarah and Hagar. So if you'll read with me in Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. It says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? So Paul is addressing the people in the church who desired to be under the Mosaic law that they would have to be circumcised in addition to trusting Christ in order to be saved. And so, and, and they, they made a big deal about, well, we're sons of Abraham. But in verse 22, Paul highlights how Abraham didn't just have one son, he had two sons. Verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons. One by a slave woman, meaning Hagar, and one by a free woman, meaning Sarah. Verse 23, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. Now, this is an interesting term, according to the flesh. And really what the Holy Spirit through Paul is getting at, that when Ishmael was born, it was the result of Abraham and Sarah taking matters into their own hands. Because in Genesis chapter 16... They had been recipients of the promise that they that Abraham would be the father of a multitude of nations, but day after day, month after month went on, and they still had no children. And so in their conniving, well, and actually in Sarah's conniving, she goes to Abraham and says, here, take my slave woman and have a child through her. And that's what happened. The result of them taking matters into their own hands and not trusting God to fulfill His promise in His way. And this was before Abraham was too old to to have children. So in a natural way, by the flesh, 
they were able to have a son, Ishmael, a slave woman, the slave woman who gave birth to a son who was a slave. But then it says this, while the son of the free woman, meaning Isaac, was born through promise. By the time that Isaac was born, there was physically no possibility of Abraham and Sarah to be able to have kids. She was, 100, she was 90 years old and he was 100 years old. And, and multiple times it highlights the absolute impossibility. So the only way that she was able to have a child was by the fulfillment of God's promise. And that child, Isaac, was born free to the free woman. Verse 24, now this may be interpreted allegorically. So the Holy Spirit through Paul is telling us that the the story that we've just read in in Genesis chapter 21, discussing and, and talking about Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael and Isaac, he tells us it is to be interpreted. This is how we can interpret it and how it should be interpreted allegorically. And by Paul using the term allegorically, he isn't saying that it didn't happen and we just interpret this as, oh, this is a fiction that we allegorize. Really what he's saying is, is we should interpret it as an illustration of this particular truth. So it historically happened... But this is an illustration of something deeper and something greater that had application to the church in Galatia and has application to us here today. Verse 24, these women are two covenants. Two covenants between God and man. Agreements, promises. And then it says, one is from Mount Sinai, Bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. So what, um, what this is highlighting is, is that Hagar is a representation of, and it says Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is the place where the Mosaic law was given, the Ten Commandments. And, and so what the Holy Spirit through Paul is highlighting is that when Abraham and Hagar came together, they were working in the flesh to bring about what God had promised. So that is similar to someone who will look at the law of God and say, we can follow these things in or, and, and then God will accept us because of how good we are. But to do that is only slavery. Because the law of God that was given on Sinai is very good and it is, it is not evil. It's wonderful and Romans talks about that. But it isn't sufficient to save a person. To make them right before a holy God. It is only sufficient to condemn them. 
to highlight how we fall so short of God's perfect standard. And so Hagar and Abraham taking things into their own hands in order to fulfill God's promise is similar to someone who looks at the law and says, well, if we just keep all of these things, God will accept us and make us righteous based upon our own good deeds. And it says, bearing children for slavery, she is Hagar. And that there is only slavery found when we try to make ourselves right before God. Verse 25, now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. So here in Galatians, what Paul is saying is, is that this whole idea of thinking that you can just follow the law of God in your own strength and be accepted before God, it corresponds with what Judaism in that time that was centered in Jerusalem had their whole religious system based, or based upon. And as he is speaking to this church in Galatia, he's saying these different people who are saying trust Christ plus do the works of the law are, are actually in slavery just like those who are part of the Jew, Jude, Judaic religion that doesn't bring freedom. Verse 26, But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Meaning, there's something greater than man-made religion here on the earth. There is... There is and if you want to call it this, there's the religion from above. Really, God's provision so that mankind can be made right with God. And that is through His promise, and it's by faith alone in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. And then it, and then it goes on and it says, For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, You who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Verse 28, Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. In the same way that the only possibility of Isaac ever being born had to come through a miracle of God fulfilling his promise to Abraham and Sarah. What, what the Holy Spirit through Paul is telling the church in Galatia and is speaking to believers today is in order for us to be made right with God, in order for us to be born again, it has to be the Lord doing it and fulfilling His promise. And if we are saved, it's not because of anything we've done. It's not because we've taken matters into our own hands and we thought that we could help God out. It's because Him and His grace has provided salvation for us in Jesus Christ. And in the same way that Isaac was a child of promise. Now, it says that we, 
are children of promise. Isn't that such a... That's good news. And it's in contrast to Ishmael and Hagar who are under slavery. Verse 29, But just as at that time... He who was born according to the flesh. So at the time when Isaac was being weaned, Genesis chapter 21, at that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So also it is now. So when we read here in Genesis chapter 21, In verse 9 where it says, But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. Really, the best translation is mocking. And what the Holy Spirit through Paul tells us is, he was persecuting Isaac. And it says, just as at that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So, saying that Isaac was born according to the Spirit of God. So also it is now. So meaning, those who are committed to a works-based religion will always persecute those who have been born again by the Spirit of God. And for the Galatians, what he's saying is the people who are coming and trying to bring Judaism in, they are persecuting those who are actually truly born again by the Spirit of God, just like Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. Verse 30, but what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Now if we go back to Genesis chapter 21, isn't this interesting? Paul is quoting Sarah from Genesis 21. Genesis 21 verse 10. So she, being Sarah, said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son. For the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. Now when we first read that, it seems so cruel. But here, the Holy Spirit through through Paul is saying, in order for us to truly experience, well, in, in order for the Galatian church to truly experience freedom in Christ, they had to get rid of anyone who was teaching that you had to do the works of the law in order to be made right with God. It's okay to trust Jesus, but you need to be circumcised as well. You need to fulfill the works of the law. And in order to truly experience freedom in Christ... The church in Galatia needed to get rid of those who were teaching that that message. And for us, in order for us to truly experience freedom in Christ, we need to cast away the idea that there's anything in our flesh that can be pleasing to God. That we can help God along. 
with our salvation. To be justified. To be declared righteous before Him. Because the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Those who try to be righteous before God by keeping the law in their own power will not experience the, the, the inheritance that those who by faith simply receive the promise of salvation, just as Isaac did in Christ Jesus. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. And he's telling the Galatian church and to us, in Christ you're not a slave. In Christ, you're not a son of a slave. You're a son of a free woman. You're free in Christ. And then the very next verse, verse... 1 of chapter 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now isn't this passage in Galatians incredible? Because we could read here in Genesis 21 and we just read through the story and think, oh, you know, this this is a nice little story. But then later on, we, we get to Galatians and we see how the Holy Spirit gave Paul a deep insight that gives an incredible picture into our salvation. And one of the things that I love here in Galatians, there, there are two different phrases that... Uh, that um, I just need to find it quickly. There we go. Um, That Paul uses when he he speaks to them. First of all, in verse 23, it says, But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. And and, And in Christ, we are identified with Isaac. And so we are children of promise. But then not only that, um, also in, in, verse, uh, in verse 29, it says, Persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also is it now. So for us as believers, God has made us children, His children. And it's according to His promise, and it's by His Spirit. And so, just quickly, I want to challenge us that if you are in Christ, you are God's child. And it should lead you to completely trust Him. Not trust Him plus the works of the law. Not trust in Him plus anything in your flesh. Anything that you can do, but trust in Him alone. See... For those who are in Christ, they've been born through promise, and it should lead us to trust in Christ alone. And then secondly, 
For those who are in Christ, they are born according to the Spirit, and it should lead us to trust in Christ completely. Just quickly in Genesis 21, I'll read just a a few of these verses one more time and, and hopefully bring it home to us as we've even considered the passage in Galatians. But it says, And the child grew and was weaned, Isaac. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned, But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. So as we have just unpacked from the book of Galatians, As Sarah comes to Abraham, she's bringing before him this realization and this understanding that for there to be peace within the home and for it to continue to go well, it wasn't going to happen if both boys were in the home. So either Isaac had to be kicked out Or there had to be a tremendous change in Ishmael's heart by a miracle. But Sarah in her wisdom understood that that wasn't going to happen. And so she said, cast him out. And the slave woman as well. See... In order for Abraham and Sarah to really see the promise of their seed going on and the promise be fulfilled through Isaac, there needed to be no other hope of anyone else taking that place. One commentator says, To make salvation dependent in the most remote manner upon anything in or done by man is to set it entirely aside. In other words, Ishmael must be entirely cast out and all Abraham's hopes be made to depend upon what God has done and given in the person of Isaac. And we see Abraham at first, he's like, what? It, it displeased him. In verse 11, and the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. And then it, the Lord steps in, but God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and I will make a nation of the slave son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. Just a bit over 500 years ago, on the continent of Europe, the Catholic Church had um, great power, great political power, as well as religious power. And there was a man who was a monk within the Catholic Church. And um, he was he was about 
the best that they could, that they could come. He was continually just thinking through, well, what is this next sin that I need to confess? And he just was continually trying to strive to be right before God and to meet all of the laws of God. And part of what he he did was he started to read the Bible, even though it was very difficult at that time, but he read it, and in reading, he came to the realization that the just shall live by faith. Meaning that we are declared just, righteous before God, not by any work that we do, but simply by simple faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And what he saw happening within the church was they were saying, yeah, you need to trust Jesus in His death. But they were saying, you also need to do all of these things to hopefully be acceptable before God. And I'm sure we've all heard of him, but that was Martin Luther. And on October 31st, 1517, Luther nailed 95 theses on the, the, uh, the door in Wittenberg and highlighting that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he turned totally away from this idea that you have to trust Christ plus you have to be a good person in order for you to be made right with God. See, he came to the realization of what Paul was driving at in the book of Galatians. As he was addressing the church in Galatians, and they were, there were people who were coming and teaching, you need to be circumcised, you need to obey the law, and trust Jesus. Paul is saying, no! To obey the law is slavery. To trust Jesus is freedom. To obey the law is Ishmael. To trust Jesus is Isaac. We still live in a time today where all around there are many different churches who teach something of the same thing. Yeah, it's good that you believe in Jesus, but you also need to do this. You you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to be baptized. It's good to believe in Jesus, but you, you need to speak in tongues as well. Oh yeah, it's good to, good to believe in Jesus, but you need to give more and more. You need to believe in Jesus, but you need to also do the sacraments. You need to believe in Jesus, but you need to go on a mission for a couple of years. It's... It's good to believe in Jesus, but also you can't celebrate any holidays. And it's good to believe in Jesus, but you also have to be a good person. It's good to believe in Jesus, but you also need to be woke. You need to be 
up with everything that's happening. It's good to believe in Jesus, but you need to be involved in social justice. It's good to believe in Jesus, but you also need to be a part of, of ceremonies for cleansing and rituals. It's good to believe in Jesus, but also just go, go and meditate for your wellness and it'll be... Put your trust in that. All around us, there are messages that go out that Jesus isn't enough. And, and, and if we're honest, there, there are times where we act as if Jesus and His finished work on the cross and His resurrection isn't enough for us to be made right with God. And, and if we aren't careful in our flesh, we can start saying, well, I need to do this or I need to do that so that God will accept me or so that God will be pleased with me. And, 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 and what the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying is when we do that, we, we, are, we are allowing ourselves to go back under a yoke of slavery. We are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And for those who are children of promise, He is our only hope. Isaac was the only hope that Abraham and Sarah had of God's fulfillment of His promise. And Jesus is the only hope that we have for God's fulfillment of His promise to make us His sons and His daughters and for an eternity with Him. Lord, show us the ways in which we aren't trusting in Jesus alone, but we're trusting our own selves and our flesh and the law in addition. And may we turn from that and trust you. See, in Christ, you are God's child. Born by his promise through promise, but then born according to the Spirit. Trust in Christ completely. And as we continue on here in Genesis 21, we see in verse 14, So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When Abraham had heard from God that he was to cast out the slave woman and her son, he didn't hesitate to obey. He trusted the Lord completely and he followed through. He trusted the Lord completely and he followed through. The, early the next morning, the first opportunity he had, he followed through completely. And, and that should challenge us 
to trust the Christ completely, to, to follow through in, in casting out the slavery to the law that so easily takes a hold in our life. For us to ask the Holy Spirit of God to highlight places in our life in which we are in bondage. Where we who have been made free in Christ are trying to go back into the jail cell of sin and law keeping. And to to confess that to Him and cast it away. but then also to walk in freedom by the Spirit of God. And that's what I love in the book of Galatians because Galatians doesn't stop at the end of chapter 4. It it continues on. And I just want to read this for us. In Galatians 5 verse 1, For freedom, Christ has set us free. We're free from the law. And yes, when we have trusted in Christ alone, it will lead us to fulfill and to pursue obedience to the law of Christ. But it is not out of this heart attitude of, I'm going to do this so that God will accept me. It's it's our hearts have been changed and we are free now to do what the Holy Spirit of God is leading us to do. And that's what it continues on. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then go down with me to verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So what he's saying is, Just because you're free from the law, don't use it as an opportunity to go and indulge your sinful nature. But serve. We're free in order to serve. Out of love. Verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Just like Ishmael and Isaac were opposed to each other. Our flesh and our spirit, the Spirit that God has given us, the Holy Spirit, they're opposed to one another. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. We know what that's like. We want to please the Lord. But then we end up giving in. But there's hope. But if you are led by the Spirit, verse 18, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then listen to this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Lord in Jesus makes us free to walk in the Spirit. And as we are attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, the one who caused us to be born again to a living hope when we turn to Christ in faith, the fruit of it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Meaning, that when by faith we are walking close to the Lord and walking in the Spirit, the fruit of our life will actually be the fulfillment of all that God wants for us. His law. There's no law against it. But it's not going to be because we are white-knuckling, trying the best in our own strength to follow this law. It's going to come from an overflow of a heart that is free in Christ. Thank the Lord for the Gospel. And if you're here today and you have never come to the point of trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone, that when He died on the cross, He took your your sin, all of the wrong that you've done against God, all of your law-breaking, He took it upon Himself and He died for you. He paid the full price. Jesus paid it all. He didn't just pay some of it and you had to pick up the tab or pick up the the tip afterwards. No. He paid it all. He was buried. He rose to life again. And now, if you look to Him in faith and you trust in Him alone, He will forgive you of your sin. He will cleanse you. He will make you a child of God. Turn to Him today. Look to Jesus. Look to Him and live. And for for those of us who have trusted in Him, but we have fallen back into slavery to our flesh and to law-keeping, and we're starting to trust not only Christ, but also ourselves. Look to Him. Look to Him. Surrender to Him. And trust in Him alone. And experience His freedom. And by faith, walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And my prayer is that our church will be a church where the fruit of the Spirit is evident. From the lives of those who are walking in freedom in Christ. Father, we thank You. Thank you for your word.
thank you that just as Isaac was a child of promise, you have made us your children of promise. And just as Isaac was born of the Spirit, for those who have trusted in Christ, they have been born of the Spirit. And Father, for anyone who is here who has not trusted in Christ completely, I pray that today in their heart they will look to Him and surrender and trust in Him, repent, turn from trusting in their sin or trusting in their good deeds and trust in Jesus alone. Father, for us who have trusted in our dear Lord Jesus, we just confess that it's so easy to get back into the habit of trusting in our own works and our own law-keeping in addition to Christ. And Father, when we do that, I pray that your Holy Spirit will shine a light on that aspect of our heart and that we will cast it out and walk in freedom in Christ. And that we will live by the Spirit. And that Jesus will be exalted and lifted high. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.